every year I go through and read the Christmas story. I don't know if anybody else does that. And today, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I mean, I've, I've been doing this a long time, and every year I go back to my Bible, it's the same story. Doesn't change, right? And I, I, I have a, some favorite messages I've preached in the past, and I will tell you, this is one of the ones I've, I've preached before, but it always, always touches my heart every time I come back because I'm like, this is the reason. This is the reason we celebrate Christmas. And I don't know if you've ever opened your Bibles to read about the story of Jesus, but there are four accounts in the Bible about the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell us about him, and it's the same story, but they all have a different emphasis on his life. Two accounts, Mark and John, say nothing about the birth of Jesus. They actually begin with Jesus' ministry when he was 30 years old. And then Luke begins with the birth announcement of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. And then the angel announces to Mary that she's going to give birth to the Son of God. Three of the Gospels begin with a story. But what always intrigued me was the book of Matthew. If you want to read along today, I'm going to read just from the story and beginning of book of Matthew. But it's very unique. Matter of fact, the book of Matthew doesn't start with a story. It actually begins with a genealogy. I'm going to tell you, you can begin, I don't know if you've ever read the Bible much when you start reading all the genealogies, but I just kind of skip on down because I can't even pronounce all the names anyway. Is that bad for a preacher to do? But here's what I caught several years ago, what God showed me. He wouldn't let me get out of Matthew. I started reading it, and it's this genealogy. And it describes the genealogy of Jesus all the way from Abraham to Jesus. And I want to read part of it for you in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Now, why does Matthew, and I have to ask myself, sometimes I have to ask myself a question, why is this here? Why is this in the Bible? That's a good question to ask, right? Well, a couple of reasons. First of all, you have to understand that Matthew is speaking predominantly to a Jewish audience, okay? And he's about to make the case that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God. And so the first question that a Jewish audience is going to ask was, was he a direct descendant of David? Because every Jew knew that the Messiah would be related to King David. And so he starts off to answer the big question, who is Jesus related to? But in establishing this credibility of Jesus, he reveals some things about Jesus's ancestry that probably should have remained secret. <laughs> you start reading because he mentions some names here that really wasn't helping his case in establishing Jesus. So he seems to emphasize all these people that I'm going to tell you that 
more than likely you and I would leave out of our genealogy uh, because there's some people in our family you probably wouldn't mention. Oh, I know y'all got the perfect families, but everybody got some people. You'd be like, you know, I don't think I'm going to mention their name in, in my genealogy. I, I mean, I just don't want nobody to find out their history, right? But he reveals some things that seem to disrupt his case and causes us to second guess the divine lineage of Jesus. Matthew, he goes way out of his way to make us question it. He highlights people that you would probably be prone to skip. He mentions people that he didn't even have to mention at all. So this genealogy list, second of all, should have been male-dominated because he was trying to connect Jesus to David through the lineage of men. But out of nowhere, he includes the names of four women. Two of these women really should have never been mentioned. Three out of the four weren't, aren't even Jewish. They were, they were Gentiles. And so he goes out of his way to say, by the way, Jesus doesn't even have a pure bloodline. And so this was not helping his case. Now, if you go to verse 1, I want, to, I want you to follow along with me. It says, Judah, notice this, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Now, see, I knew everybody wouldn't be like, oh my God, because you don't know the story. You probably don't know this story about Tamar. And I don't have time to go tell you about the story of Tamar today, but I'll just give you a little insight. She tricked her father-in-law into sleeping with her and she got pregnant. You say, well, that's jacked up. <laughs> yeah, that's why I can't read it. There's some verses in the Bible I can't even read because they're so X-rated. You say, that's in the Bible? Yeah, you're going to have to read that later. Do not turn there now. I want you to listen to me. So y'all want, want something juicy. juicy. Y'all want drama in church. Yeah, if you actually read your Bibles, it's... Wow. But there was actually no need for Matthew to even mention her name. I mean, why, why didn't he just stick with the guys, you know? But Matthew pauses to throw in this woman, Tamar, that every Jew knew the story of Tamar. And they were like, whoa. And then you go on verse 4. It says, Ram, the father of Amenadab, Amenadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, Watch this. Whose mother was Rahab. So he throws in another woman that's not even Jewish either. And Rahab had a nickname, didn't she? Rahab the... In fact, when you get to heaven and you run into Rahab, you're going to go, Oh my God, Rahab, you're here in heaven. You're Rahab the, 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 the woman from the Old Testament. And so, if you're a Jew and you're reading this, you're like, Matthew, what in the world? There's no reason to bring her up. I mean, and the, the Jews are just like, wow, they knew her story. Then you move on to verse 5. See, I told you this is more interesting than you've ever read. It says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Ruth is a good story. But... She's not Jewish either. And if Matthew's trying to convince 
all the Jewish people that Jesus came from a divine lineage, why in the world is he mentioning these ladies? Then read verse 5 and 6. It says, Simon, the father, father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. Now watch this. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Uriah's wife. <laughs> ah, say what? Why not stick with the men, man? He throws in this intrigue of Solomon's mother and he doesn't even say her name but everybody knew who was Solomon's mother Bathsheba you don't even have to grow up in church and you've heard of Bathsheba I wonder if she always got that nickname from or if that was uh, because she always she was bathing on top of the house you know what I'm saying that's what got her in trouble and David in trouble in the first place So Matthew doesn't even say her name, and he really makes it worse. He might, he might as well have said whose mother was another man's wife. Again, why bring this up? Why not the great things about David? Why doesn't he talk about King David and the man after God's own heart? The, and, but no, he brings up some things that David wishes that he could never remember and wash them away. I mean, he had an affair with his best friend's wife. And then put him on the front line and had him murdered and then married his wife. And the Bible still, still calls da David a man after God's own heart. What? Matthew hasn't even gotten to the story of Jesus yet. And can you imagine the Jewish audience? They're going, whoa, where is he going with this? What in the world? Why didn't he, why didn't he just mention all the... The ladies, you know, like Sarah and Rebecca and Leah, those are wonderful stories in the Bible. I mean, why highlight all the failures and all the sinners and all the stuff? And I'll tell you why this morning. Because Matthew knew from a personal experience that it was for the unfaithful and the sinners that Jesus had to come. See, Matthew had spent three years with Jesus. He saw Jesus die on the cross. He was there and stood next to an empty tomb. He had heard Jesus teach many times, and he knew all of these shady characters and their baggage and their sin and their embarrassing stories. Matthew knew that sin was the reason and the issue that Jesus had, had to come and to address. But I want you to catch this. Jesus didn't just come for sinners. He wanted the whole world to know that he came from sinners. And that that was okay. And that that was the point. Matthew knew the story of Christmas, see? It was about light piercing the darkness. It was about life conquering death. It was about grace penetrating the boundaries and the walls that had been created by the law. And that this was really a story of forgiveness in a world that only knew condemnation. And so, as Matthew thought through writing this and considered his own story, 
he realized the story that he was about to tell. And after tracing through all this genealogy, he knew that to include sinners was not a mistake. It wasn't an exception that it was really the point. So as he assembled this, he felt no pressure to include only the good people and avoid all the bad people. To skip all the failures and include only the heroes. Because these people reflected why Jesus came. So just as Jesus, listen now, just as Jesus had some interesting characters in his family. Some dysfunctional characters in his family. Guess what? So do we. Don't be lying. You just might be one of the dysfunctional ones. I mean, if you were honest, there are some people in your family, I mean, when you get together with them every year, you just don't look forward to it. And some of y'all ain't even looking. You're like, you got that controlling brother-in-law, loud mouth, sister-in-law, I don't know, in-laws, outlaws, they're just outlawed. Matter of fact, they have the potential to run Christmas for you every single year. And you know what? Some of them just bring out the worst in you. I mean, you were having a good time until you saw them. They just mess it all up. I mean, they just make you want to get it over with. I mean, I know some of you are going to be like, really? Yes. I know some of you are like, you ain't even looking forward to it. It's just like a, a wall of fire every year of Christmas, and you just run through it as fast as you can. So you just get singed a little bit. I mean, but you get bitter. Watch this. You get bitter every time you draw their name for a gift. You're thinking, I'm getting them crackers and cheese. I'm going to get them a pair of socks this year. Anything with stink on it. And by the way, if you're... You're here today and you're thinking, it's so sad that people have those issues. Oh, my God. Well, God bless you. I'll be over in just a few minutes. And, but for the rest of us, here's what I want you to focus on and I want you to remember. That if it wasn't for all the dysfunction, you ever looked yourself in the mirror? If it wasn't for all the junk that we sometimes go through in relationships and life and strains and people and bosses that you don't, you know, get on your last nerve and not getting along. If it wasn't for all that, there wouldn't even be a Christmas. Matthew finally gets to the story of the birth of Jesus. Look in verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That's a whole other message in itself. Like, hey, honey, I'm pregnant. Uh, not from me. How'd you get pregnant? The Holy Spirit. <laughs> Woo! That's a good one, baby. That's a whole other message right there. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to make Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And here's what brings all the dysfunction, all the dread, all the everything that you, you sometimes we, we just don't look forward to. It brings it all into perspective. This is the lens that you're to look at Christmas at right here in verse 21. Don't miss this today. It says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And you need to highlight this in your Bible because he will save his people from their sin. See, I don't even have to preach this morning. The, the Word of God will preach itself. Here is the real reason for the season, folks. Here is the lens that you are to evaluate your Christmas. If it weren't for sin, God would have never sent His Son. There would be no Christmas. It, if it weren't for all those dysfunctional people who show up at your house, there wouldn't be a Christmas to celebrate. Yes, Jesus is the reason for the season. But really... You've got your sticker today. I'm the reason for the season. Yeah. That's all right. You can clap. I'm the reason for the season because if it weren't for me, Jesus would have never come. And guess what? You're the reason for the season. If it weren't for you... Jesus would have never come. He would never would have had to come. Without sinners, there would be no Christmas. So when we bump into those imperfect people this year and you start getting all bent out of shape, just remember that they are the reason for the season. Now I want you to look at your neighbor, this person sitting next to you. Look at them. I want you to, I want you to say, say this with me. Say, thanks to you, Jesus came. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't even get any presents. <laughs> Woo! The truth is, is when you look in the mirror, you realize I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm still a work in progress. I told the Lord that this morning when I got up. Oh, the pastor did? I sure did. I stepped outside. Lord, you're still working on me. I still got issues. You still have to make correct my heart sometimes, you know, because life comes. Thank you for working on me. Thank you for coming for me. I'm still being transformed. So I'm the reason for this season. If it weren't for people like me, you wouldn't get anything for Christmas either. Amen. If it weren't for people like me, God would have never sent his son into this dark world. But because of people like you and me, God so loved the world that he gave. Y'all come on, y'all help me. Gave it. That whomever in me should not but have God, thank you for loving us so much. I, I think, I was thinking about this this morning. There's some people that you've, their hearts are hardened. They're, they're not able to receive. Maybe uh, even the way they've grown up or whatever that they experienced. 
they, they, they don't want any help. They don't want to, it's like, I'm going to do this on my own, so to speak. And, and they can't even accept love. And what they really need is understand what you're missing is a good dose of love. Honestly, what would change your heart forever and change your perspective is just a good dose of love. And I just want you to know that's what God is trying to tell you today. The gospel's not hard. I've, I've told this over the years. God did his part. God loved. God gave. Our part is to believe and receive. People think living for God is hard. No. It's not about what you have done. It's about what he did. It's not about your perfection because you're never going to be perfect. If you are, come show me how because, man, I'm still learning. No, it's about his perfection. It's not about you, you know, being righteous. No, he said, I'm going to clothe you in my righteousness. How many times can I fail? I don't know. His grace just keeps giving. Does that mean I can go live like I want to, Pastor? Sin like I want to? No, no, that's not what he's doing. That's not the point. It's not about getting away with something. That's what you do with your parents. No, it's about changing your whole view. Instead of, I have to follow all these rules if I go to church. I got I mean, every time I meet people, I'm a pastor. So people find out I'm a pastor. They're like, oh, my God, I've been cussing. Sorry, pastor. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for you. I'm like, it's cool, man. It's cool. But I'm amazed at how people think of how to, their relationship with God all is about what you can't do. I used to think that too. No, it's when you realize you have a loving father and he's always there. And you want to please him rather than I better follow the rules. He loves you and keeps loving me even when I mess up. So you know what? I don't want to keep living the same. I want to change. I want to live and please my heavenly father. And when you get that attitude, he said he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins every time we run to the cross. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. I have a simple message this morning. Put your stickers on if you got a sticker. Now, if people wasn't here today and they see you wearing that sticker and it says, I'm the reason for the season, they're going to think you're selfish. <laughs> this is an opportunity to have a witnessing tool today. Say, no, if it weren't for me, Jesus would have never come. Isn't that a good feeling? And so I'm grateful. That's why I worship you. Thank you, God. When I watch little Mary and Joseph up here holding that little baby, they did so good. Sloan, Sloan is so sweet, she could be Mary herself. And I just said, thank you, God. Thank you for never stop chasing after me. No walls too high, no mountains too big. They sang it. 
That's how much God loves you. I want every head bowed here today. Before we leave, here on this Christmas service, if you're here today, sir, ma'am, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life back to Jesus or for the, for the very first time. Why not? If you're here today, I want to pray with you. I want to pray a prayer of salvation. The prayer doesn't save you. It's your decision to believe in him and surrender your life. That, that's how you get saved. If you're here today and you want me to pray that prayer with you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to bring you up front. I just want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm the reason for the season. Come on, keep your hands. Hands going up everywhere. I'm the reason for the season right now. Come on. I want to see so many salvations all the way in the back. God bless you guys everywhere. I want to see more salvations today because this is why we're here. And this is why Jesus came. Keep your hands up. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see. God, you see every hand. You see every hand. Thank you for not being embarrassed. Keep them up. Just raise the other one with it right now. Come on. Say, this is it. Today's the day. I'm making this step. Let's pray together, church. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I repent today. So this day, I take a step forward, and I'm going to live for you forever. In Jesus' name. Everybody say a good amen. Come on. Make that commitment to God today. That's right. Today, I'm going to live for Jesus. One, Hey, one day at a time. Don't try to say, oh, I did my little prayer thing. No, it's one day at a time. Today, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. And guess what? When you fall down, you go back to him. I said, are you hearing me? You look in the mirror, you say, I'm not perfect, but he is. Don't let the enemy take steal from you, because that's what exactly what he's going to try to do. But no, 2022, God, I'm going to give you all. I'm going to give till it hurts. That means sacrifice. And we're going to see the best year in your life yet. I believe that. Come on, 2022, I'm praying for favor. I'm praying for miracles. I'm praying for signs. I'm praying for wonders. I'm praying for deliverance. I'm praying for ministers. I'm praying for people to rise up and be who called God called you to be. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I love y'all. See you Friday night, Christmas Eve service. If I don't, have a Merry Christmas.